Welcome to the Ask Dr. Deanna Show. I'm Dr. Deanna Holgren, your host. Join me weekly as I cover various health-related lifestyle medicine topics that you get to request. This show is for anyone who wants to proactively improve their health position. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. I'm super excited for you to be with us today. We have a very special guest with us. Um, I get to introduce to you one of my uh, wonderful friends and a collaborator uh, on the Dr. Deanna's Healing Handbook, uh, Dr. Linda Jeffrey. You're going to be so excited to hear from her today. Linda actually received her doctorate of education in curriculum and instruction. She has a master of science degree in genetics and a physician assistant degree. She's a researcher, speaker, and author of numerous books and articles, as well as papers. Uh, She's a fantastic friend, and she knows her stuff. She's one of the best researchers I have ever known. So I'm excited to have her on today. Welcome, Linda. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. You're welcome. First thing, Linda, first question I wanted to ask, you know, we we collaborated recently and we've got the fourth edition of the Healing Handbook coming out, which is really our attempt to just make things simple for people, kind of a roadmap that they can follow, what they can do to stay well. And one of the things that we talk about in there, of course, is diet, um, you know, what to eat, what not to eat, all of those sorts of things. And I know that you've been doing a lot of research uh, recently. Um, I actually did a podcast, uh, did a show a couple weeks ago on insulin resistance and intermittent fasting. Um, But I would love to hear from you if you could tell uh, everybody just a little bit of the latest research uh, that you found regarding insulin resistance and intermittent fasting and how that can help people to not only lose weight, but just to feel better in terms of managing chronic issues, chronic diseases, etc. Yeah, I would I would love to talk about that. I am really excited about what I have uh, found, even since the book went to press uh, about insulin resistance. Um, insulin is my issue. I had gestational diabetes during pregnancy, and uh, diabetes runs in my family. I've had uh, high blood sugar issues, so it's a personal issue for me as well as a, a research issue. Um, I have two children who who are, frankly, morbidly obese. Let's say say it what it is. Um, and I am trying to help them to understand how insulin resistance affects weight loss. Um, and what I have found is, uh, uh, or let me start with my conclusion. How's that? I'll start with my conclusion. I think people should pretend that losing weight is 100% a hormonal issue and 0% a calorie issue. Is that an oversimplification? Only a little bit. So let me explain. Insulin is the traffic cop in your body that tells your body what to do with uh, glucose. So where does the insulin come from that is in your body and where does the glucose come from that the insulin responds to? Well, the glucose comes from the foods that we eat. And most of our listeners will be familiar with the glycemic index, which tells us how quickly carbohydrates break down into glucose. And we know to avoid those processed foods and uh, simple sugars like table sugar and bread and grains that break down so quickly um, and overload our system uh, with glucose. When glucose is high in our blood, the pancreas will respond with a dump of insulin. And if we eat a lot of carbs, 
and we very quickly break those carbs down into glucose, then it becomes a vicious cycle where your sugar is high, so your insulin is high, and then your sugar is higher and your insulin is higher. And insulin, as I said, was the traffic cop. So it is going to tell your body what to do with that glucose. It is going to uh, direct some of that glucose to your cells into the mitochondria where it is metabolized for energy. That's a good thing. Uh, then you still have more glucose in your system because you ate a high carb meal. Okay, so what what does uh, insulin tell your body to do next? Well, it will say store that glucose as glycogen. So you have a limited amount of storage in your liver and your muscles. So we fill up that storage. Well, we still have too much glucose in the blood. So what happens to that? Well, insulin is the traffic cop and it says we still have too much glucose. Let's store that as fat. So that is stored around your belly and your fat cells. So that excess glucose becomes belly fat. The problem is when we have chronic high glucose in our blood and high insulin, and that insulin is, is pushing that glucose into our cells to be metabolized, the cells become less sensitive to uh, that glucose, and we develop insulin resistance so that our bodies are not able to process that glucose as efficiently. And the, the statistics on insulin resistance are alarming. It is 50 to 70% of American adults uh, I believe Dr. Mark Hyman said it, it could be as much as 90% of American adults have insulin resistance. And that is the root of all these chronic diseases that are skyrocketing in, um, in America. I'm talking about heart disease and diabetes and polycystic ovarian syndrome and cancer and dementia and Alzheimer's. All of these have a root in poor insulin management. So, so what do we do about it? You know, that's perhaps that's where we should, uh, we should get to because time is of the essence here. What do we do about it? Uh, let's set a goal not to count calories, which slows our metabolism and makes us hungry and miserable to live with. Let's uh, decide that we are going to lower our insulin levels so that less fat is stored and our body is better able to manage the sugar that, that the carbohydrates that we eat uh, turn into. So how do we do that? Well, we focus on macros rather than calories. What does that mean? Your macros are your proteins, your carbohydrates, and your fats. So the question is, how do each of those three, uh, how does uh, each of those three cause your insulin levels to go up or down? Well, we've already talked about simple carbohydrates. They spike your insulin uh, because they break down very quickly. So we want a very low carbohydrate diet, maybe 20 to 30 grams of carbs a day. And we want those grams to be complex carbs, uh, green vegetables, uh, leafy greens. Um, I, you know, I have to say my favorite food is a mixture of collards and kale with a big red onion fried in lots of coconut oil and, and some good mineral salt on top. I mean, that to me is, is, um, is fine eating. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I don't know whether that's my Southern roots or whether I've just trained my taste buds, but <laughs> it makes my mouth water to think about it. So complex carbs. Um, the other thing that I have learned, which surprised me, is that proteins are not free. 
proteins can also spike your insulin. And there's some relatively new research that came out in 1998, an insulin index uh, was developed and researchers are starting to look at proteins in particular and how they affect insulin in the body uh, because they are beginning to realize that insulin is the bottom line for weight loss. So I looked at the insulin index and uh, at different foods that have been measured. One thing that was shocking to me is whey protein. Whey protein will spike insulin faster than white bread. I had never heard that in all of my nutrition research. And I've been at this a decade. Whey protein is the worst protein that you can eat. Uh, a pea protein will digest much more slowly and, and keep that insulin low. And that's the goal, low insulin. We have one goal, uh, manage insulin. That's what's going to bring about weight loss. How about fats? We're looking at proteins, carbs, fats. Fats don't even move the needle of, of insulin. If I want to keep my insulin really low and I'm, I'm really hungry, I may eat half an avocado. That's fats. It's not going to raise my insulin levels uh, noticeably. And then I can wait a longer period of time before I eat again. I love what you said that weight loss is really more a matter of a hormonal issue rather than a calorie issue. And I've always said that a calorie does not equal a calorie because of the way that it interacts in the body, the biochemistry and so forth. Exactly. Can you share with us a little bit about intermittent fasting and how that plays in or can really be used as a tool to kind of help when people are trying to lose weight and they're doing this more keto style of diet? When you say fasting, uh, uh, most people who are struggling with weight just go, you know, that's just um, uh, uh, such a frightening uh, burden to lay on people. So uh, the first thing I want to say is don't do it until it feels good. And you will reach a point where it does feel good if you count your macros and 70% of your diet is fats and uh, around 25% is proteins, 5% is carbs. When, when you have gotten the sugar and grains out of your system, you have eliminated the cravings, you are burning out all of the sugars that you're eating and you are starting to burn fats. It is going to be easy to to extend the window between meals. And this is so important because if you don't take in any food, what happens to your insulin? Absolutely nothing. That's a good thing. So fasting is uh, the best way to lower your insulin and and begin to reset your metabolism so that insulin resistance can be reversed. So start with a 12-hour window. If you eat dinner at 6 o'clock in the evening, then, then fast at least 12 hours. Do not eat, don't, don't snack at night. It's pretty easy to push that to 14 to 16 hours and make your first meal of the day around 11 the next morning. The longer that you uh, wait, we call this intermittent fasting, the longer you can push between meals the more time your body has to do something besides digestion. You know, digestion is, is the focus of your body. If you're eating every two or three hours, when does your body uh, uh, build new cells and get rid of waste and clean up all of that clutter in your brain and, you know, renew your skin? And all of the, uh, all of the good things that your body does happen 
when your body is resting from digestion or resting at night. So stretch that window of intermittent fasting and you will find that when you begin to truly burn fat, remember your body is a sugar burner. So you're going to burn 100% of your sugars that you eat and then 100% of those sugars that are stored in the liver and muscles before you start burning fat. But once you've burned out the sugars, you become a fat burner. Not only the fat you consume, but that fat that you have stored for a rainy day will also begin to melt away. So the goal is to get your insulin to tell your body, not store fat, but burn fat. So we want to become fat burners. And intermittent fasting will greatly speed up that process of bringing your insulin into the normal range and telling your body to burn fat. That's fantastic. And and I, I love that. Moving from a sugar burner to a fat burner. That's the goal. Um, so how about this, Linda? A lot of times uh, you have, have brought information to me just about the food industry and how things have changed. And I know that it's changed dramatically. At one point, people used to eat three meals a day and then it became six and so on and so forth. And then also the food, the quality of the food, the way we process food, everything has changed so much. So if you could just share with us kind of what has happened there, um, you know, how did we get where we are in terms of the standard American diet, which we like to call the sad diet? And, um, you know, what do you see as kind of the remedy for that? In, in the mid-90s, uh, food began to be genetically modified. Um, this DNA from viruses and, and other plants began to be implanted into our food to give it a greater shelf life or make it resistant to pesticides so that uh, an entire field could be sprayed with something like Roundup and everything in the field would die except the food plant uh, because it was genetically modified. That means that that pesticide is in the soil. It's, it's being absorbed into the plant. It cannot be washed off. And we are eating foods that research has shown beyond a shadow of a doubt that this genetically modified food is affecting our gut flora, our gut bacteria are being damaged. Our essential amino acids are being uh, damaged. Our, our gut flora cannot produce the amino acids that we need. The damage to our body is just incredible. And we could spend a whole two or three hours just talking about the, the damage to our food. Let's go back, though, to, say, 1948. Uh, in 1948, Procter and Gamble gave the American Heart Association uh, a donation, which was the equivalent of $17 million. And uh, the AHA suddenly became uh, a major uh, player in deciding what America eats. And a researcher named Ansel Keys uh, did a study of 22 countries. He kind of cherry-picked his data and decided uh, that fat is what causes heart disease. He brought this theory forward, and it became so popular that no one could publish in a journal that disagreed with him. I mean, the, the, all of academia kind of had to, to follow in this lockstep, narrow paradigm that said uh, fat is bad. And so we began taking fats completely out of our diet. And, and when the fats came out, they were replaced with carbohydrates. And the result in America has been devastating. The, the obesity and the chronic disease has just absolutely skyrocketed. And we need to realize that fat does not make you fat. 
uh, fat does not increase your insulin levels. We need fat to carry our fat-soluble vitamins throughout our bodies. Our brains are one-third fat. I eat probably between a pint and a quart of olive oil every month. Um, I love uh, Spanish olive oil that is organic, cold-pressed, clean olive oil, uh, coconut oil, avocado oil. Um, You must stay away from corn, soy, canola, and cottonseed oils. Those are genetically modified. Um, The grapeseed oils are not so good. Uh, All of the nut oils are not so good because of the omega-6 content. And and we've discussed that in our book. I don't have time to go into depth uh, with the omega-3 to omega-6 balance, but that's really important uh, for your health. Uh, we just we just got off the rails in understanding uh, the function of oil and fats in our bodies. And uh, Procter and Gamble, of course, uh, were the makers of Crisco. Uh, Crisco was developed for candles and soaps and fuel, and you know, for uh, it, it had nothing to do with food. And then they began using it because it was cheaper than beef tallow and lard. And through a, an aggressive marketing campaign, we threw out these good oils, this, this grass-fed butter and lard that, um, that we had been using. I mean, before 1910, no one had ever heard of these vegetable oils. And so our, our diet changed radically at the beginning of that century. And uh, we are a, a very, very sick generation because of it. We need to get back to good oils and good fats and eat nothing out of a bag or a box or a drive through window, eliminate sugars and grains from our diet, and eat healthy meats and vegetables until we reset our, our metabolism and get rid of this insulin resistance. It can be reversed. And I am living proof. I just went to my doctor uh, about a month ago, had a, a, a blood test. I was very excited. I had my insulin levels measured. And in six months, I cut my insulin level in half just by cutting out, just by getting serious about what I'm talking to you about. Um, And that was really exciting to me because with a history of diabetes and gestational diabetes, I didn't know whether my pancreas was so weak or whether, you know, maybe, maybe I could never reverse insulin resistance. Maybe, you know, I was uh, on a path to chronic disease and couldn't do anything about it. Well, I did in six months. And the numbers, uh, the numbers proved it. It was it was pretty exciting to get that report. That's that's fantastic, Linda. Congr- congratulations! I love it when people get such great results. Thank you. Yes, that's awesome. So so keep doing that. And that's that's really the message in this is for so many of our listeners. You know, I know that you may have struggled as well with insulin resistance, with you know pre diabetes, uh, trouble losing weight, and here is you know a great approach that definitely can make a difference for you. You know, just viewing food differently can have dramatic improvements. So Linda, with that, um, I think that's all the questions I have. So thank you so much. It's going to be great. Thank you. Thanks so much to Dr. Linda Jeffrey for sharing great information with us about insulin resistance, about intermittent fasting, and about how to dramatically alter the course of your health through diet and nutrition. Dr. Linda Jeffrey is fantastic. She's a great resource. If you're interested in reaching out to her, you can reach out to her actually through my website, deannaholdren.com. And thank you so much for joining us today. I know that everybody has just come off of Christmas and you're probably thinking about weight loss. 
you're probably thinking, what should I do? What plan should I do? You know, and you're probably getting ready to go buy a gym membership as well. Well, I want to tell you, the majority of weight loss actually happens that the, the, the battle is won in the kitchen at the end of the fork. So take a look at this, really dig in, listen to the message that she brought today on uh, the importance of fats in the diet and getting rid of all the grains, getting rid of all of the sugars and the carbs. And I know that you're going to see the same results as well. Be sure to join us next week as we go into more detail talking about weight loss, diet, and nutrition. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. For more information, visit me at DeannaHoldren.com. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Dr. Deanna Holdren. I really want to hear from you, so message me. I love taking your messages and creating topics from them. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share my show with those who have an interest in health and wellness. Thank you for tuning in and see you next week. 